podcast on this Monday evening. Uh, with me tonight, as always, we have my co-host, Peter Allison. Good evening, everyone. And our special guest, uh, owner of Crafty Cove, Tony Walton. How'd you do? So, Tony, who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Tell us about yourself. Oh, right. Where to begin? Right, my name's Tony. I'm co-director of a venue, shop, cafe, lounge, photo studio, printing studio in the middle of Whitby, North Yorkshire. Um, I, we don't really have an identity. We do a bit of everything. Um, <laughs> we we cater to uh, the alternative community, um, and we have a policy of inclusivity for literally everyone. We um, don't tolerate intolerance, basically. Um, and it's it's a safe space atmosphere, whether it's during the day when the shop and coffee lounge are open or tw- once or twice a month, we have a pop-up nightclub where, again, safe space atmosphere, regardless of who, what, whatever you are, you are guaranteed to have a safe and enjoyable evening in our venue. Nice. I mean, um, I we've met, actually. Um I, during the summer holidays, me and my family went to Whitby for the week and we found Crafty Cove on the last day. And we'd been in a few golf shops and alternative shops in Whitby, but you're always the one that felt the most welcoming. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it, it's not something we actively try to do. It, it's just who we are, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, for example, like, you were the one that kind of just chatted to us. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not just a shop, uh, it's a social experience. Yeah, very much, and, like, um, also, unlike a lot of other crafts and alternative shops, you are not just a alternative shop, you've got all this kind of diversification, which I've never really seen before. We do, we do, and it's, um, uh, it's, our restless imaginations, we, we basically wake up in the middle of the night with another idea. And then the following day, it's in the shop. So what, what, what was the, so what, you know, give us the history behind it. How did it all start? What was the idea behind it? How did you, how did you start it? Well, basically, Whitby has always been our second home. Uh, that's myself and my wife, Jan. Um, and we were married here uh, coming up 14 years ago. Um, and we spent every single spare moment of our time in Whitby. We we lived about an hour and a half away. And we always said we would retire here. Um, and then about three years ago, we just thought, what are we waiting for? Let's just do it. So we did. We moved to Whitby and John opened a little shop up on Silver Street, which was the original Crafty Cove, um, basically to sell goth clothing and uh, her hand-knitted uh, toys and whatever. She she custom-knits toys. Um, you, you've got to say them to believe them, really. She takes requests. She, she knits <laughs> rock stars. She knits film stars. She knits horror icons. Did, um, has she knitted a... Um, face hugger from Aliens. She's done about six face huggers now. I yeah. thought I remember seeing one there. Yeah. yeah, we've got zombies, we've got vampires, we've got Frankenstein's monsters in there. And uh, yeah, the, the shops started getting really, really popular. 
um, I was still a maintenance engineer in a factory on Teesside at the time. And about a year and a half in, um, I had to give up the day job. I just didn't have time. Uh, we started printing T-shirts, canvases, mugs, jackets. And I was getting in from work at about six o'clock, printing things till about midnight, one o'clock, and then back up again at five o'clock to go to work. And it just started getting too much. So quit the day job, joined Jan in her venture, which was snowballing by this point. Goth weekends, uh, we, we were really losing custom because the shop wasn't big enough to accommodate the number of people who wanted to come in. So they they were basically just walking past because of the crowd. And then um, in the summer of last year, I heard that uh, the local nightclub was going to be closing down. And the owner of said nightclub basically said, do you want it? So we took his hand off, basically. <laughs> um, we, we took over the nightclub in uh, January, spent a month getting it the way we wanted it, the way we needed it to look, the way we needed it to operate. And we opened on the 1st of February this year as the Crafty Cove, as she is now, basically. And it's it's not just a shop anymore. It's it, it's its own entity. And it's it's evolving every single day. It's becoming uh, a bit of a, a centre for the, uh, the alternative community. And people genuinely look forward to our monthly, bi-monthly pop-up nightclub nights. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because I mean, to call it just a shop gives it a massive disservice, given how you do so much else. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, also, one point, to think, I mean, you started this three years ago, which is the height of COVID. Yep. That doesn't seem the best time to open up a retail establishment. Yeah, I was going to say, how did that work for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it did seem initially at the time that it was probably... Uh, Excuse the phrase, absolutely barking mad thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it, it kind of works because, uh, I mean, we both pretty much work for other people all of our lives, uh, apart from the odd occasion when we ran a pub. But starting the business when we did, it eased us into it rather than having to hit the ground running and make sure we had a, a fully stocked shop. We had plenty of time to sort of establish our identity, to stock the shop exactly the way Jan wanted it stock in. Because uh, ultimately the, the, the shop is Jan's baby. Um, I'm, I'm basically the little troll that lurks in the work. <laughs> and if, every now and then I'll stick my head out when people want a t-shirt printing or something like that. But but yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it was oddly advantageous starting it when we did. Okay. One thing as well is, um, I mean, what I did you approach a banks or anything for like startups or anything? I mean, what was the initial reaction when you said, right, we're going to open a shop during COVID? Um, what, what, what was their reaction to that? Uh, weirdly enough, we didn't need to approach a bank. Um, uh, and for Whitby, we were incredibly fortunate that the rent on the initial shop was pretty damn cheap um as far as stock was concerned uh i have incredibly helpful and incredibly generous parents who have pretty much given us their last 
to uh, get the, the business established. But, yeah, um, I, I think because John was so determined and she had the idea so fixed in her head of what she wanted the shop to be and what she wanted it to achieve, just by talking about it, she convinced people. It was, I, I, I think it's John's sheer determination mm. and pig-headedness, basically. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it just took off and then snowballed, and it wasn't very long before we realised that that little shop that had been such a, a great springboard for us just wasn't big enough for us anymore. So we, we struggled on for about another year until uh, Raw Nightclub closed and we were offered the opportunity. Yeah, did you always kind of intend to diversify out from being like going to ent entertainment space, recording studio and, and so on? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of... Uh, saying it fell into our lap it probably isn't right maybe smacked us about the head is probably more accurate. Um, what it was, the guy who um, had the nightclub, uh, Mr. Richard Natras, um, he is landlord of the Little Angel in Whitby. He also ran for nightclub and he still owns the lease on the building and we rent it from him. And because Richard was so impressed with how Jan sort of ran Crafty Cove and how she saw the future of Crafty Cove, he has basically bent over backwards to help us. Um, and he has given us pretty much all of the resources to make everything in there a reality. Um, he's helped us stock the bar for our nightclub nights. And yeah, uh, he's been an incredible help. It's, it's as if, the Crafty Cove's come to a point now where people actually want to come and actually want to help. Um, we, we have a leather worker, a Mr. J. Charles, who has helped us from day one when we first moved down to there. And the amount of time and work that he's put in just to help us for no reward other than he wants to be involved with the Cove. Um, okay. And and that's kind of a thing that's happening now. People do things because they want to be part of it. But it's, it's not a shop anymore. It's not a nightclub. It it's become a, a thing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. it's got its own culture. It has. It has. I mean, we we do go to other alternative nights in Whitby, and when we do, everyone ends up talking about our place. <laughs> I suppose Whitby's a good place for a, for a, glo a goth um, sort of establishment being, you know, with the whole Dracula links. Absolutely, absolutely. And we we do get a lot of uh, goth and alternative visitors throughout the year, but we also have quite an established community in town as it is, and we're all very sort of closely knit. Um, we have people running events at other venues, uh, such as my friend Jay, he runs, venue, uh, he runs events up at the Metropole. Um, we have, uh, obviously, the Little Angel, they have events on. And rather than sort of competing against each other, we, cr we cross-promote because where we're geared up for a club night, 
the Little Angel is a pub and the Metropole is geared up for full-on staged bands. So rather than trying to nab customers from each other, we're kind of giving the customers the choice, basically. Sounds right. Uh, Sounds very familiar. Like uh, when growing up in, and I think probably every sort of you, know, you get a lot of this in, in a lot of towns. Growing up in Belfast or outside mm. of Belfast, we had um, sort of alternative. We had a thing called Arcadia, which was like yeah. uh, a little. It was like a well, it was like an arcade, but it had lots of alternative shops. Uh, and there was mm-hmm. another one called Fresh Garb, which had a little cafe. You had uh, all these little alternative shops, all in the same area, and they all sort of helped each other because all the yeah. alternative people were in that area and there was no use in sort of like trying to kind of i don't know um screw each other over for business and stuff so they they sort of kind of worked together yeah. and uh it sort of it you know for me it was a great place to you know go, growing up it was a great place to be yeah yeah that, that's it's exactly how we work it's not just sort of for the event nights either i mean we're obviously not the only goth shop in Whitby. Um, there, there are several others, but we're generally friends with everybody. We go out for drinks with uh, Elaine and John, who own uh, Pandemonium, another well-known goth shop in town. And what it's basically an unwritten rule. If one shop stocks a certain brand, we don't. We'll stock something different. And if somebody comes into our shop looking for something and we haven't got it, we'll send them to Pandemonium or we'll send them to the Great Goth or we'll send them to Venus Trading or Squid Rock and they do the same for us. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, we're more of, a, more of a community rather than competitors. How would you say Crafty Cove is different to the Great Goth and uh, Pandemonium? Oh, they're just shops. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, but when when you come into Crafty Cove and it is just a shop, um, I don't know. It's it's not just you know you come in, you look around the goods. If you see something you like, you buy it. Um, you know yourself when you came in. You, you you come in to have a look at the gear and you end up talking to us for forty five. That's very true. An hour. And I mean, my wife welcomes everybody in. She, they all get the personal attention. And if we have any youngsters who come in that are new to the scene and they're not sure, Jan will take them through all the clothes and she'll talk them through everything and how to wear it and how to lace up a corset or something like that. And it's very sort of personal and hands-on. Jan just, I don't know, she she just feels the need to help everybody. And, uh, yeah, you, you can't just come in and buy a jumper and walk out. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. well, I think that's the, I think that's the best way to be. Like the there's there's genuine sort of interest in a person, and then there's yeah. the 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 hard sell, and you can tell the difference. Oh, yeah. So if I walk in the oh. Games Workshop and they start oh, asking God. me what what army I collect and uh, or, you know yeah. if I need paint and glue and things like that, uh, you're like. Yeah, yeah, you're not doing it to be nice. You're doing it because you need your quotas and stuff like that. Some of that you do get some of them here nice, granted, but you know the yeah. difference between somebody if you walk into a shop and you just naturally start talking to them and they're just having a bother, they're not oh, yeah. pressuring you and stuff like that. And I find that personally, when I'm in places and nobody pressures me, but I'm talking to somebody and they're being nice, I'm more likely yeah. to buy something because I feel like. I don't know, there's sort of like a bit more of a connection and I'm like, yeah, I might, might, might yeah. Give, give this, yeah. 
I mean, that's that's not why we do it. I mean, we, we're just naturally social people, basically. And um, I mean, like I was saying, the safe space atmosphere we insist on when we have our nights, we make sure we've got security on the door and the security kind of know who to let in and who not to let in. And the security that we have, they never have to come inside because there's never any trouble. But that extends during the day as well, whereby if you've got a busy day in Whitby can be quite overwhelming. The streets are pretty narrow. And when you've got several thousand people there, um, what we've said basically is if you're out in the street, you're feeling a bit stressed, you're feeling a bit sort of flushed or overwhelmed by it all. Come into Cove, go and sit in one of the dark corners on one of our couches. Just get your head together. You don't need to buy anything. You don't even have to buy a coffee. Just come in, sort yourself out, and then just leave in your own time. And it's it's something that's working really well. We have got regular customers that come in now because of that. Um, we've got a couple of autistic kids who once upon a time would never leave their bedrooms. They were very, very socially awkward. Mm. And now they're coming in, they're making friends with other kids like themselves. And we, we get little social groups coming in on certain days during the week. They'll sit and have a coffee and a natter to each other. And it's great just to see, you know, you can walk out the sh- into the shop. You know, you're not making an absolute fortune out of these kids. They've only spent a couple of quid each on a coffee. But it does bring a smile to your face because you know fine well that if it wasn't for that, they'd be sitting in the house playing a video game by themselves or, you know. And, yeah, it, it does. It puts a smile on my face when I walk out and, and I see that. What's the what's the difference between basically following your dream or your, your wife's dream even um, mm. and you know, being a, uh, what was, did you say, a maintenance, a maintenance? I was, I yeah. was a maintenance engineer in yeah. the factory. So what's the, what's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference? Well, um, yeah, I, I, don't get me wrong, I used to love being a maintenance engineer. I'm, I'm a logical person. I do like to think problem solving, things like that. Um, but now I'm being given more creative license something I've never had before. Engineering is very logical. Whereas what we do now, it's, you you just think of something, you have an idea and we've got the equipment in the workshop now to make it happen. Uh, We, we have good Lord, five various size 3d printers in there. Uh, We have two, dedicated t-shirt printers then we've got another printer that will make banners and stickers and canvases and i've actually got a normal printer in there oddly enough (laughs) it it, it, it doesn't do much um i think there are five five separate pcs in there running various bits of equipment and then we've got all the workbenches let's say i've got jay there doing uh, leather work and he does pvc work um shoemaking um it, it, just the same as us he'll, he'll have an idea if he's walking past a charity shop and sees a jacket in there that he thinks yeah it's okay but it could be better he'll go and buy it and then bring it into the shop and cover it with studs and straps and buckles and you know it, it some of the creations jay's turned out have just been absolutely stunning and half the time i don't want to sell them i want to keep them for myself <laughs> but uh yeah, there's always something different in our shop as well. Um, I think that's one of the big things. People come in, 
um, you know, the, if if the only visit would be two or three times a year, they're guaranteed to see something different. But some of our friends that live in Whitby who come to see us two or three times a week will see something different. There will be always something different in there. We we end up having brainstorming sessions and we'll we'll just start filling the workshop up with junk we think we can do things with and. We, some of the some of the things that are going out of the workshop, they're absolutely astounding. They really are. Um, I, I think one thing that's quite telling is that Critical is very creative. It's not just a reseller. Oh, it's no. like buy, buying book and sell it on. It's by you can actually create things on site, and we I think indeed. it's that uniqueness is and, and creativity has come through. Oh yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I can sit and watch Jan when she's doing the knitting, and it sounds so boring and mundane. She's sitting there knitting, but when you realise that she's just knitted a twelve-inch uh, tall figure of Keith Flint, <laughs> complete with the twin mohawks and the stars wow. and stripes jumper from the Firestarter video, and she does it without a pattern. And half the time, she's not even looking at the needles when she's doing it. <laughs> Uh, we've we've had people come in uh, giving us requests. Can you knit this footballer from this team? And she'll write. All, all she'll say to me is, "Get me a photograph of the football strip, and I'll do it." So <laughs> I, I'll go on the computer, get her a picture, and then just she'll sit there and rattle it off. Um, she's uh, done Corey from Slipknot, uh, with it, complete with his mask. Uh, she's just done a little Bob Marley for somebody, complete with dreadlocks. Um, People have come in and just said, can you knit my boyfriend? <laughs> and, and, and Jan sort of gives them a puzzled look, and then they end up sending a picture of their boyfriend to my phone, and I'll print it out for Jan. And like two days later, she's got a little figure there that <laughs> for all the world, like this girl's boyfriend. It, it's just really strange. Uh, she, she's actually knitted a guy from a description rather than a picture. This guy came in and he just said, oh, he wears this kind of jacket, he wears these trousers, this sort of uh, haircut. He came back a week later, he just looked at this little figure and went, my God, you've nailed it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if she does it. I, th- I think it's witchcraft. Yeah. It's, it's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, um, you also do lots of geeky stuff as well. So I was going for your T-shirt, uh, your oh, T-shirt yeah. rack, and there were some great Star Wars ones, which I'd oh, never yeah. seen before. It was very, very... Very tempted. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm a massive, massive Star Wars fan, and when I get an idea, it's just bam, got to be on a t-shirt. But it's it's not just for sci-fi geeks either. We've yeah. got uh, nostalgia for people of a certain age. We've got uh, Cholton and the Wheelies, uh, Trumpton, that sort of thing from the seventies. Uh, I've got eighties cartoons like Danger Mouse, Duckula. Wow, um, some old school. It, it, oh yeah, we, we've got some proper proper geeky stuff in there. Because well, I mean, we're, we're both in our fifties now, but you know, you know what they say: you've got to grow old. You don't have to grow up. Very true. <laughs> and I'm sticking to that. I'm hurtling towards fifty with alarm and alacrity. And I'm, and I'm what a word, alacrity! <laughs> Thank you. The walking thesaurus is Peter Ray, Peter Ray Allison. <laughs> <laughs> It's what I do. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it just sort of like to, um when we went to Crafty Cove, like I had my three kids with me and obviously my wife as well. And 
it, we just we felt happy just kind of let the kids roam around and have a look. And there were some shots where I wouldn't have been as comfortable with them doing that. But he is just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He just had that kind of innate atmosphere. Yeah, the kids seemed to be enjoying themselves when they were there as well, which was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, were, they were absolutely into it. Um, I've not yet got, got my eldest into golf club. Yeah, she, it, I mean, my eldest is, is 15 now and is rebelling by being completely normal and listening to uh, K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah, we, i was just always we, thinking you know the the um the, my sort of kind of dread um yeah growing up is with my children maybe started listening to dance music or something like that instead of like rock and heavy metal and stuff and then pete the uber goth the the larping uber goth's got a, a k-pop daughter <laughs> yeah yeah don't worry about it we've got one as well <laughs> that's amazing yeah <laughs> Two of them completely into the alternative scene. The other one, she, well, oh, she's a chav, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we managed it, but she's a chav. Oh, her. man, no way. Never mind. It, ha- it happened. I mean, again, none of mine have gone, gone into goth or rock music. My eldest is a K-pop. My second is my eldest son is a bit, he's just into into Fortnite. I'm going, come on. You want to play something else? No, 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 Fortnite's fine. My, uh, I was at a, I was at a, um, a do with some of my friends at the end. My friends uh, had a kid, and he's. I said had a kid. He's about he's four years old now, but he was sitting there kind of going. I was I was on my phone. He's like, um, and he was being a bit restless, and I was trying to keep. So what do you want? He's like a song. I was like, so what songs do you want? And I, I, and his dad and friend was like, what songs do you like, Cass? And he's like, uh thunderstruck and i was like no way and he's like awesome. so we got so we got acdc on and actually like, so he's sitting there and he's go and i was sitting there going thunder and he's like no it's not yet it's not yet it's not you don't say thunder yet and then i was like this is amazing and then my, my mate turns around and says who's that and he's just like he's naming he's he's like that's <laughs> angus he's naming all the members of the band and stuff he's only like four years old and i was like that's insane i was like he's that got you tra- he's got you trained well that's really good <laughs> <laughs> that is so yeah. cool yeah, yeah. well yeah. unfortunately you can't get that with all the kids you're always going to have one that's a slight embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> i mean what's what's what particularly galling for me is like when my eldest was much younger and um, clearly had g- gone to America for a week for a conference. I'd be left with Ada by myself and a stack of Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And my eldest was like only about one and a half then. No, one, one and a half. Yeah, about one. So we would just start watching Star Wars films yeah. for about a week. So when Curly returned, my eldest still had wasn't able to walk at the time, was just bottom shuffling everywhere, was bottom shuffling to Curlia, waving a lightsaber, chanting Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. <laughs> it was her third word. Awesome. <laughs> and Curly was like who had just been on a twelve hour flight from Chicago. <laughs> just looked at me, looked at Ada. Looked at me and went to bed. <laughs> I have a friend who's um his his kids and I think he was doing it to wind him up, but he's a he's a massive Star Wars nerd like like myself and um 
I got like a, an audio message and it was his son going, I hate Star Wars. I hate Star Wars. And I was like, you need to shut that child up right now. And I was like, you need to get rid of him. It's like his mother's encouraging him. And I was just like, ah, oh, you got to grow him. So I, I went round to his house. I said, right. So we went to the cinema. So I came around. I brought my lightsaber with me. And I, I brought some like Star Wars toys. And uh, firstly, I sort of kind of jumped out with it. And I said, no. I was like, uh, so uh, you believe you don't like Star Wars? I said, I hate Star Wars. I was like, I will strike you down. So I like, brought out the lightsaber. And, and, and he's all like really impressed. It's like, oh, you want this, do you? Only people who like Star Wars get to play with lightsabers. And he's sitting there kind of going, oh, I don't like Star Wars. I was like, oh, well, I guess you won't want these Star Wars toys. I guess I'll just have to give them to your daddy. And he's sort of kind of slowly relented to the point where, uh, okay, I like Star Wars. But as soon as he'd opened them and he'd play with the Star Wars, I don't like Star Wars. And I was like, oh, you little shit. <laughs> Bribery only works so, so far. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, wait, you kind of, you got the shop going now. You are doing incredibly well. Um, what's it like in Whitby um, for Crafty Co? I mean, uh, you're heading, you're heading towards Halloween, which I imagine is quite a busy time for you with the golf weekend. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it and dreading it in equal measure because I know we're going to have fun, but I know I'm going to be knackered, <laughs> basically. Um, the shop usually stays open later on Goth Weekend, basically to accommodate the number of people who do turn up. We, we literally are expecting thousands through the doors over the weekend. Um, it's a bit daunting, but yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll enjoy it. I'll I'll sleep on the following Thursday. I think. You'll I'll sleep when you die. <laughs> well, um, on the Thursday, uh, I mean, Goth we uh, calling it Goth Weekend. It's a bit. Yeah, it's more than a weekend. Yeah, and it's. I mean, Whitby Goth Weekend is actually a trademark that's owned by somebody else, and it's just become a generic term for what happens twice a year in Whitby. Yeah. We've decided now as a community, we're going to refer to it as the Whitby Autumn Goth Festival. And then next year, it'll be the Whitby Spring Goth Festival at the end of April. And we're carrying on like that. So it isn't a weekend anymore. It usually starts on the Wednesday and finishes the following Wednesday. And it's not just goths that come here. We get many, many subcultures of the alternative community turn up. So it's a bit of a mouthful calling it the Whitby many subculture week. (laughs) It it doesn't really trip off the tongue anymore. (laughs) So it's just generically called Whitby Goth Weekend. Um, So the basic plan for us, um, it'll be the Wednesday when it starts, uh, I'll be opening the week up at the Little Angel. I'm, I'm a singer as well as everything else. Um, so I'll, I'll be performing at the Little Angel on the Wednesday at the beginning of the week. On the Thursday, we are renting the cove out to somebody for a hand fasting ceremony. So we'll be there till one o'clock in the morning doing that one. The Friday, we've insisted on having a night off because the missus wants to go and see the mission up at the uh, pavilion. Oh, Yes. Excellent choice. And then the Saturday, we have uh, Bunker 13 turning up from Leeds. Ooh. And they're, they're a massive sort of 
um, a cyber electro type of alternative night. Um, that's going to be going until three in the morning. And then the following morning, I've got to get the shop set up again, ready to open at 11 o'clock. And then at the end of Sunday, we'll be putting the shop away and opening the club up again because we have Byronic Sex and Exile appearing. And uh, it's actually a pretty special night for Byronic Sex and Exile as well. It's the album launch party for them. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's happening, and he'll be on till 11 o'clock, and we decided we keep the night going through till 1 o'clock with uh, a local DJ friend of ours uh, called DJ Orpheus, and he plays some incredible alternative 80s music. It's, uh, it's one of those nights where you can sit there listening to him DJ, and every single song he puts on, you just look to whoever you're sitting with and go, I haven't heard this for in years. <laughs> Every single track yeah. he puts on, it's like something that you've completely forgotten about. It's amazing. Oh, nice. It really is a good night. And then the Monday, oh, we've got a night off on the Monday. And I think Tuesday we got a night off. And then on the Wednesday night, uh, it's going to be the Crafty Cove takeover of the Little Angel, where basically we're going to take over the pub. It, it's going to be another Crafty Cove night, but a crafty cove night where we don't have to sweep up at the end of the night. <laughs> Even it, better. It's, it's basically going to be myself compare in the evening and anybody who has DJed at the crafty cove, anybody who is a customer or a friend of the crafty cove who can sing, who can play guitar, uh, perform in any way, shape or form. Uh, you basically get a half hour slot. Um, we're just taking over the pub and we've got a, a special guest appearance by a very well-known Whitby band who aren't allowed to appear as themselves, so they're coming as their alter egos of Lucy and the Vamps. Okay. But, it, but it's a band called Western Ra. I didn't tell you that, though. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, they're, they're coming to perform for us on the, uh, the Wednesday at the close of the week. So it's going to be an incredibly intense week. And then I think on Thursday when we shut the shop, I'm probably just going to pass out. I don't blame you, really, because that sounds intense. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's going to be nuts. And then, then what generally happens is the two weeks following Goth Weekend, Whitby becomes a little bit of a ghost town. And then people start turning up for Christmas. Yeah, I've got to say. So, yeah, we, we do get a little bit of a lull, which gives us a bit of a rest after Goth Weekend. But the entire week of the Autumn's Goth Festival, I, I still can't get used to saying that. But <laughs> the, the entire week of that, it, it's absolutely full on intense. It really is. And not to mention how busy the shop gets during the day. Um, oh, it, it's just mad. Why are you using the name like uh, Whitby Autumn Goth uh, with the Autumn Festival rather than it's a kind right. of like it's a differentiate between Whitby the events in Whitby as a whole from the Whitby uh, Goth um, Weekend. Well, Whitby Goth Weekend was actually trademarked by the original founder of Whitby Goth Weekend. Uh, she, she trademarked that. Her name's Jo Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, she owns Top Mum Promotions and she trademarked Whitby Goth Weekend. So anybody else running events on the same 
on the same sort of weekend in town can't use Whitby Goth Weekend without permission from her. Right. She runs her events at different venues. Uh, she has the Bazaar Bazaar or Bizarre Bazaar. Anyway, it's a, a big goth market in the Leisure Centre and the Brunswick Centre. And it's really good. I usually lose the wife in there for a couple of hours. <laughs> um, and they, they used to run uh, the big events up at the pavilion and the spa. And then there was a lot of politics, a very, very long and tedious story involving the council and politics and promoters. A lot of backstabbing, a lot of backbiting. So it basically splintered off. And because we're not allowed to use Whitby Goth Weekend, we've decided as a community to pull together as the Whitby Spring and the Whitby Autumn Goth Festival. So that's that's going to be starting this year. So it's sort of like a place on the term for like you know the all-encompassing of events that happen at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, what what actually happened was um, the promoters that took over from Joe Hampshire at uh, the Pavilion. There was uh, uh, again a lot of politics involved, a lot of the council, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, tomorrow's ghosts. Took oh over, yeah. They took over the Pavilion. Now, they announced earlier this year that they weren't going to be putting anything on for the spring event. So the Whitby Gazette, great big headline on the front page, Whitby Goth Weekend cancelled. And we were just, we we were all gobsmacked when we saw that. So myself, uh, Jay Charles, who runs Shadow Factory up at the Met, uh, Justin Bray, who runs the Met, and Hazel Fettler, who's run Sexy Sunday and Manic Monday for the last 25 years, we all got together and basically dragged the reporter up to the Met and just said, look, you cannot say it's cancelled because the Whitby Gazette is no longer a local paper. Because of the popularity of the town, people from around the world read the website. So your comments on that story are potentially very, very damaging to small businesses in Whitby. So we bullied him into an apology and a retraction. (laughs) And this is where the spring and the autumn goth festival came from, because we had to very, very quickly come up for a name, come up with a name for our events. So our events, rather than just been one single venue, the Whitby Spring and the Whitby Autumn Goth Festival is all-encompassing and any venue, any shop, any cafe in town who wants to use that title and the logo that we've had designed, they're quite welcome to do it free of charge. We want the town to work together to keep the people coming into the town because just one headline like that, Whitby Goth Weekend cancelled, could have stopped potentially thousands of people coming to Whitby for that weekend. And it, it could have really, really damaged the, the local economy. Are you standing in the rain, by the way? <laughs> I know that. I'm standing at the back door having a fag at the moment. Yeah. Ah, right. Was, <laughs> I was like, that's the uber goth move right there to stand in the rain while you do your podcast. Oh, yes, it's very dark out here. Yeah. As well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're absolutely right, though, because I mean, Whitby Cuff Weekend is more than, as you say, the events at the uh, pavilion and so on. It's exactly. the entire, entire town. I mean, um, what wife and I went there 15 years ago. We didn't actually go into the pavilion or any, or any of the official events. Yeah, we I've just went been. to look. 
nope. I've, been, I've been coming here for well over 20 years and I've never actually been to the pavilion for an event. Wow. This, year, this year is the first time I'm going to see the mission. I don't blame you for the mission, to be fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's never, ever been just about one venue. It's the entire town. It's the atmosphere that yeah. is brought to the town. Um, yeah, th there's just something about it. it. It's hard to describe. You, you've got to experience it at least once just to appreciate what it is. It, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's it's not just the shops and the uh, pubs and the clubs that benefit from it. Even the local ice cream stands sell black ice cream. It's, <laughs> they, they really do. You, you, you can get horror-themed milkshakes from various little shops. Everybody just throws themselves into it wholeheartedly. And it, it is, it's absolutely superb. And as a community, we should be working together. There shouldn't be any device, division between various groups. I mean, let's face it, the alternative community gets enough stick from outside of the community without the backstabbing and backbiting that has been going on. Mm. We, we don't need it. So, yeah, we're, we're working really, really, really hard just to bring everybody together. And it's working. We are seeing a lot of progress and a lot of people are coming on board with it. It's brilliant. That's great. I mean, um, like I say, it's like when we turn up there, we just kind of go there for the atmosphere and meeting up with friends that we haven't seen for a while, hanging out yeah. in the in the in a meal. And we didn't actually go to into any of them um, because you didn't need to because it felt like the festival was more the entire town of it be rather than just those the the silent and the Elsinore or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Elsinore where it all began. I mean, um, I'm very good friends with Andy and Mandy that run the place. But even they appreciate that the whole weekend has got so much bigger than their little yeah. pub can handle. Uh, I mean, uh, the Little Angel over the road again, I've mentioned the Little Angel, but it is my local. Um, they do a lot over the weekend. They've got a lot of events on. They've got DJs on all the way through the uh, during the day over the weekend. And again, they're tying in with us. They send people to us. We send people to them. Um, is a little angel a uh, is it a sort of alternative uh, bar pub even? Um, I don't think Richard would say that it was a goth pub because everybody's everybody's welcome. Yeah. And again, he has the same attitude that we do that nobody's excluded. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely nobody. I just, um, I just asked because, like, uh, there's a couple, like, in, in, in Manchester, and you, you always find them back home and stuff where, um, like, we used to, there's a place called Grand Central in, yeah. uh, in on the Oxford, Oxford Road in Manchester, and we my band used to play there all the time. And um, yeah. it's obviously... It's it it's it obviously never it was it turned into a sort of like a metal bar, but it obviously never used to be that. And there's like an old yes. guy who's in there every time I go in, and it's like he he's been going for the, his whole life, probably since he was a kid. He's been going yes. in that, and he refuses to leave, and he sort of kind yeah. of be he drinks his bitter, and he begrudgingly sort of listens to this heavy metal and sort of kind yeah. of scowls. Yeah, you, you you do get that occasionally in the little. Area. 
but, um, yeah, it, it not, obviously not uh, as severe as that. I mean, during, during the week, the Little A's just your bog standard normal pub. But yeah, yeah. It, it just happens to be the pub where the local alternative community choose to go and meet up and drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just more comfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's not the nicest pub in town. It, it, it's not the cheapest pub in town. It just, they seem more accepting. They, they don't care if a guy walks in wearing a, a miniskirt and a pair of high heels. They, they just don't care. And we're exactly the same. So, it's uh, yeah, we work well together. I think it's good. It, I think it's, it's good. good. It's, 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 it's just makes good business sense. Uh, you know, if you go down to just, you know, owning a business, if you restrict it because of the way people are sort of dressing and stuff, then exactly. you know, you're, you're, you're cutting out customers and as long as they're not being douchebags you know exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter you know they could come in and sort of adidas you know tr- you know trackies and uh, or like you know one of those bags i don't know that they, they the kids wear these days you know they could be a proper yeah. roadman and stuff as long as they're not being, as long as they're being respectful and they're you yeah. know it doesn't really matter does it that's it i mean we we do have a big sort of mission statement printed out on an a1 poster in our reception that basically it just it's very long winded and goes on about intolerance and things like that. It would have been just easier to put a poster outside that just says you can come in, just don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. That's the only rule. Don't be a dick. I think that's I think that's something. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know we we have a, a one strike and you're out policy as well. That's uh, you know, you you make a complete tool of yourself in our place and that's it, you're out, you don't come back. Simple as. So and it, it's working. It, it's working really, really well. Every single one of our events has been so well-natured. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been brilliant. So no stress then? Is, 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 it, is it stressful? Um, I guess it's, it's your own business, so it's not like you're working for the man anymore. You have responsibility for your own sort of destiny, as it were. Is, is, is it a stressful thing? It's incredibly stressful. You have absolutely no idea. <laughs> but it, it's a different kind of stress to working for somebody else. It's, it, it motivates you rather than drags you down. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I walk in and, you know, Jan's got orders for knitted things coming out of her ears and I'm the same with T-shirts. But we just get our heads down, we get it done. And... We enjoy while we're doing it, and we enjoy the customers coming in, and the customers are always made welcome. And you know, even if I'm sitting there in the back of my head thinking I could be printing T-shirts rather than standing here talking to you, but yeah, whatever. I'll hang back an hour and I'll finish off. Whatever. It's yeah, just yeah. It's a lot more flexible than working for somebody else. Put it that way. I'm there pretty much seven days a week. Yeah, um, my, I th- my dad said to me, uh, like he he was an architect, and um, he said the best thing that ever happened to him was when he was his own, he became his own boss. Uh, he I, said, you know, when he was sort of making the decisions and stuff, and you know, he, his, he had his control. Uh, he said, you know, obviously it's stressful, like you said, but you know, yeah. you are making your own destiny and you it, you you got that flexibility. Uh, and I think, like you said, the stress mm-hmm. is. It encourages you to do something instead of, of bringing it you down. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, like I've I've just had a massive order in for merchandise for the little air coming up to uh, Goth Weekend. He he wanted a load of t-shirts and hoodies printing, and uh, we're we're talking in the hundreds. 
and I'm, I'm kind of about halfway through them and all of a sudden I get an email today from Yellow Belly Records down in Lincoln. One of their artists is going on tour and he'd like some more merchandise printing, please. And I, I'm just looking at the email thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I'm halfway through them now, so I'm, I'm happy. It's, uh, yeah, like so you just yeah. just get on and get it done. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm a freelance journalist uh, full time and working with myself. On the one hand, it's, I say it's stressful because the book stops with you. If you fuck up, then mm. it's you're, you're to blame. But also, it gives you a lot more freedom. Like, you, know, you can do what you want, when you want, but you just know you've got to hit those deadlines. And you better hit those deadlines or you're going to lose a client. Absolutely. And, but again, it's like, well, I don't fancy working one day and I've cleaned my board. I'll just buy up Starfield and buy the Xbox and start playing Starfield. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, it's that flexibility. And But again, the other, the other side of that is you don't ever stop working, I find. There's always something in the back of my mind thinking, uh, should we sitting here doing nothing? I should also be doing X, Y, or Z, or should we be pitching out this, or should we be doing that? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I mean, we had Luke Rest didn't do it sooner, so... Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I wish we could have done this sooner, but when we sit and look at what we do, we realise that the technology and the resources wouldn't have been available to us mm. sooner mm. than this. I mean, some of the equipment that I'm using at the moment just didn't exist five years ago. Um, so, I mean, we, we were one of the first in the country to start embracing the DTF printing technology that we do for the T-shirts, um, okay. as opposed to the vinyl cut stuff that everybody else was using. What's DTF then? Sorry. it's uh, It stands for direct-to-film. Right. So so what it is, it, it's a, a special kind of ink um, that prints onto a clear film. Right. So if I'm printing onto a black T-shirt, I basically take an image, remove all of the black from that image and then print it under the film. Then we put an adhesive powder on it, cook it, and then it becomes a transfer that is pressed onto a T-shirt. And the bonus of that is it feels less sort of plasticky mm, when yeah. you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it stretches, the colours are more vibrant, it doesn't crack, and it lasts so much longer. And, uh, yeah, I mean... we. We started off with just one little printer and then we ended up with three. And then one of them basically fell apart because it <laughs> used too much. So I'm back down to two. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's far superior technology. It's faster, it's cleaner, it's more, uh, well, it's greener for a start because I'm not yeah. throwing away all of the offcuts of plastic that I don't use anymore. Mm. Um yeah, it, it it's just far superior technology. I mean, it, if you were to come and have a look in my workshop, the toys that I've got in there are just amazing. They I'll have a look. Uh, I'll have a look. They are <laughs> absolutely amazing. They, they are fantastic. Like I said, I've got uh, I've got a line of five three D printers in there at the moment. Ooh. Resin, um, resin, or what sort of what what sort of three D? Oh, printers? I've got um, I've got two uh, Creality Ender three printers, which is right. the FDM filament printers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got an Ender five plus, which is absolutely huge. Yeah. And I've, I've printed a, a fully wearable Mandalorian helmet on that in one go. Oh, which, nice. See, this is it. I've got 
I've got friends who've got three D printers. They've been banging on about getting one. And my friend keeps rocking up to like when we're yeah. playing games and stuff. He's like, "Look what I've printed! Look what I've printed!" And I'm like, "No, no, I can't, I can't get a printer." I mean, I've I've, I've, got, I've got the three FDM printers, and uh, I did a stormtrooper helmet on one of the smaller Pender threes, oh. and it was in sixteen separate pieces that I had to sort of glue together and sand and fill, yeah. and it took ages. But my new one, the end of five. It just printed Mando's helmet in one go, and it is. How, how long did that take in one go? Uh, just over a week. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> what's what's it like? It, it, does it eat electricity, or what's no, it like? Not really. No, not really. Uh, we we got our six monthly electricity bill uh, last month, and it was it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was about six grand. Oh. But there we go. Wow! But, uh, but now the, uh, the the Mando helmet took about a, a week to print, and then uh, the post production sanding, painting, more sanding, more painting, and then I fitted an iridium motorbike visor on the inside of it. That nice. took about took about four months. <laughs> wow! And wow. then on top of all of those, I've got a little Elegoo Mars resin printer. And um, I've just, well, I said just about a month and a half ago, I got an Anycubic Photon X2 resin printer with a bigger build plate on it. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think I've got a problem with 3D. What, 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 do you, what do you prefer? <laughs> do you prefer the resin or do you prefer the filament ones? It depends, really. Filament, I would have said, are brilliant for more functional items. They're stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but your resin printers, the detail is just far yeah. superior. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm printing tabletop figures for anybody, I'll always use the resin. Yeah, printer. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just beautiful. Yeah, I've, I've sort of like I've I've got friends who've got both, and um, the guy I was talking about, he comes up, he's got a he's got a resin one, and the the detail even for some of the really small, yeah. the really small stuff, um, right. it's just like it's mad. It's like I, it's absolutely insane. I say, like, yeah, and it, oh, yeah, did, naff all resin didn't take very long, and he's just sort of like giving me these these handfuls of things he's printed, and I'm just like, that's insane, man. Oh, yeah. That's not it's, so, do uh, you do much gaming? You mentioned like you, you kind of uh, print figures uh, for your mates. Do you do any gaming at all? I never get time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when when I was younger, um, kind of in my teens, early twenties, I used to collect like the uh, Citadel figures right. and, oh, okay. paint, and paint them, but. I never really got into the gaming. I just liked the model inside of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of what I do with uh, the 3D printers as well. I just I just enjoy printing them and painting them. Um, we we do have a lot of stuff in the shop that I've 3D printed, and it breaks my heart every time somebody buys it. See I know how much time I've put into it. Oh man, yeah. I I, I couldn't do that. Like I'm 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 not. I'm an all right painter and stuff. Um, and I've had people, why don't you, why don't you sell? Why don't you sell? I was like, no, because yeah. it takes me long enough to do them, you know, because I'm really bad. Like, I'll start something and, you know, you know move on to something else, proper yeah. ADHD. But if I do finish yeah. something, that's it. There's like, it, it's it's never going anywhere. And if I couldn't, I couldn't physically bring myself to sell something that I'd spent so much time and effort on, especially if it was finished, which takes, it's very not, it's not very often to finish something. So if it's finished, it's like, no, can't do that. It, it, it is 
difficult, but when somebody tells me how much they're willing to pay for it, then yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, said, somebody hasn't thrown a load of cash at me, so maybe, you know, you never know. I mean, I, I mean I've got a guy comes in, he is absolutely barking mad about Star Wars. I thought I was bad, but this guy, he lives and breathes it. He's got Darth Maul tattooed all the way up his arms. He is just covered in Star Wars tattoos. And uh, unfortunately, the guy's disabled and he, he needs a, a cane to walk. And he came into the shop and he was looking at some of the 3D printed canes that I'd made. And he, he sort of asked me if I could do him a Star Wars themed one. <laughs> so I did him Darth Vader's lightsaber. Ah, oh, amazing. And it, it, it is absolutely stunning. And he came in and... I think if the guy had grinned any wider, the top of his head would have fallen off. <laughs> um, it, it, he, he absolutely adored it. And he paid me enough for that walking stick to pay for one of my 3D printers. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, See, that's, so, yeah. That's a, I think that's another good sort of angle. If you, because you can create a lot of bespoke things. Therefore, oh, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of people because, you know, for special gifts and just for themselves like personally i would like something a bit more bespoke over something sort of mass produced so that's a really good angle for the business absolutely but what we try to do as well is to keep our prices realistic because a lot of people because they're in whitby think they can basically charge the earth Whereas uh, Jan with her goth clothing and stuff like that, it's always realistic prices. There's nothing kind of out of everybody's reach in the shop. You, mm. you don't walk in and see an item of clothing and think, well, I'll come back in six months when I've saved up for it. <laughs> we, we've basically got stuff that you can flick along the, the rack and just say, oh, I'm having that. And that's the way it goes. We keep our prices low to keep turnover high. And because we keep turnover high, there's always going to be something different in there. And it it kind of goes the same with the bespoke things. I mean, our, our printed T-shirts, I, I, I do completely unique designs for people. I use, uh, I use AI to make me designs. And if somebody comes in and they want a T-shirt that nobody else has got or ever will have, I'll knock them up a completely unique design, print the T-shirt, and then delete the file. Um, I charge them 12 and a half quid for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there are places in town that will just sell you a generic off the peg t-shirt for 15 quid. And it's the same old crap that they've had on for the last 10 years, you know, just silly little comment ones. I mean, we've got a section in the shop and I'm sure you probably saw this when you came to visit, where we have a little rope across it that basically says parental advisory, yeah, ex- explicit content. And it, it's kind of more on the risque side. And we had to do that because uh, we had a couple of T-shirts on the rack that had swearies on them. <laughs> and then this, uh, this little, I think she must have been about eight-year-old, started laughing at the T-shirt and she took it off the rack and showed it to mummy and, Mummy said, what does that say, sweetheart? And it was basically a cartoon cat with meow written underneath it. And underneath where it said meow, it had brackets. That means fuck you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but this little eight-year-old girl read it out very loudly in the shop. 
And uh, we were like, right, okay, time to shift everything under the stage and put a rope barrier across. <laughs> so yeah, we, we 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 do have our more risque section up there now. Yeah, you got some fantastic designs, and like I like to say, I've never seen anything like that T-shirt I came across, which is which is like no vanilla. I don't think so, and that just tickled me so much. Yeah, that's that's one of my designs. Yeah, <laughs> it is brilliant. Like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have gonna have that one. Do you know where that one actually came from? No, I'd like to know. That was a drunken party down on Ted Hill Beach one Saturday night. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we we all went down. There was a group of uh, just the local goths, and we had a bonfire on the beach, and everyone was saying, "Oh, well, you should do this T-shirt. You should do that T-shirt." So I basically ripped a lump of cardboard off the box of beer that I had, took a pen out of my pocket, and said, "Right." Fire away. It's pitch black on the beach. I'm writing by the light of the fire. <laughs> After drinking about eight cans of desperados. <laughs> so I got up the following morning with a bit of a thick head and I'm wandering down to the shop to go and open up and I've pulled this piece of cardboard out of my pocket. And what the hell is this? Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm reading out some of the things going, well, no, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> so that one that you bought, that that's where that came from. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> but yeah, there, there were some there that I would not even dream of putting under a T-shirt because if anybody walked out wearing it, they'd get arrested. <laughs> so uh, I've got to ask you because you because you're a, a, you're a Star Wars fan, and I always ask this yep. to all the Star Wars fans who come in here. Uh, what's your favorite Star Wars film, and why is it Rogue One? Oh, well, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, well, ooh, it, it's got to be Empire, really. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be Empire. Absolutely has to be. Out of the new, out of the new, out of the new ones, though, what is your sort of like? Everybody appreciate. I appreciate Empire sort of like up there. Though I would, and I did an article about this. I went Rogue One better than Empire as um, as the title of the article. Bit of a clickbait Ooh. thing, but yeah. But out of the new ones, what's your sort of kind of what's your view? Which, which where would you where would you go? Right. Well, I mean, it's probably going to sound controversial, but I did enjoy seven eight and nine um solo underrated yeah. i thought yeah I, I thought solo was very underrated yeah. i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot um see basically what happened when disney started releasing them around about christmas time i tried to develop a tradition in our house yeah where, whereby on christmas eve around about tea time Everybody stopped talking about Christmas. We jumped in the car and we went to the cinema to watch Star Wars, oh. whichever one came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really wish Disney would have brought one out every year because I'd love to keep that tradition going. And yeah, uh, yeah we, we went to see them Christmas Eve all the time. Um, when Kylo Ren killed Han Solo, I pretty much stood up in the cinema and called him a bastard. <laughs> We knew that was going to happen ages before, right? So we, one of the guys who used to work, and I say work, used to contribute to the website. He was at a yeah. wedding. He was at a wedding in Ireland, and really? um, some guy came into the pub they were in and was sort of like talking. And he's like, "So what do you do?" He's like, "Oh, I work. I'm working on." He says, "I work on film," and and he, yeah. as he progressively got more drunk, said, "Oh, I'm working on the new Star Wars film," and he kind oh, of, my yeah. friend was just like 
is there anything you can tell us about the new Star Wars film? And he basically, as he got progressively more drunk, pr- dropped that Han Solo was oh. going to get killed. And, and and so we did this piece. We said, like, this is this is like major, major spoiler for the new Star Wars film. Uh, please yeah. don't read this if you don't want to sort of, like, get ruined it, honestly. We got this source, blah, blah, blah. And we, we basically said, Han Solo gets killed sort of thing you know that this is it and we got so much hate wow. we got so many people like saying we were lying and that it was bullshit and it would never happen there was a reddit thread <laughs> there was a reddit thread that got stopped you know everybody's like this is bullshit yeah. this is never gonna happen. it got locked and then <laughs> and then it happened and we're like fucking told you man <laughs> we weren't lying Jesus wow <laughs> yeah. yeah oh wow. man yeah yeah just but yeah like that was that was a big moment i think it was wow. just sort of I, I kind of the first one no sorry the, I, I didn't mind the new the new ones to be fair I, I i didn't i didn't like um the last jedi um i i i sort of well, i don't not no, i didn't hate it i just i just think luke skywalker it wasn't my Luke Skywalker, and it just it just seemed yeah. completely odd to me. It just like what he was doing and the way he was acting, this thing, and the Princess Leia, Mary Poppins thing, really made me oh, fucking rage. Made was... me rage. I was just like, "What the actual fuck is this?" The only, terrible. the only thing, like, and, and part of me was like, "They she should have killed her. They should have killed her in that episode." Yeah. But, but I'm glad that she was in the final episode and the final one. I, and as much as it does, you know, a lot of people got mixed views on it. I I got quite emotional about the last one because it was literally my childhood um, culminating. It was like, yes. I, I grew up through the, the original series and uh, sorry, yeah. trilogy, the new ones and these ones. And it was, it was the last moment and having those moments like, you know, with her and even Chewie getting his medal, finally getting his medal oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It was just like, I've, yeah. <laughs> like proper started like tearing up about it and stuff. And, and, and I it, almost cried. Yeah. I, did. I almost cried. Yeah, it was just like, yeah. and it was just like my childhood of being sort of, cause that was the cap of it all. And even like, you know, the, yeah, it's, you know, some of, some of, some of the storylines were questionable. And I think it was being very reactionary to the last Jedi. Cause they were trying to sort of man things. So they're trying to show, well, this is why Leia could do Mary Poppins <laughs> things and stuff and this is why this happened and stuff um but yeah it it was i think as much as you know it had its flaws but every star wars film i think has its flaws it yeah it sort of it was a sort of kind of beautiful moment for me because it was just like it was just it just capped it off it was like you know my childhood it was like the end of my childhood effectively for all intents and purposes and yeah it's uh yeah, so I, I, it was like that that sort of last Jedi moment. It's like she should have just been killed, and I'm kind of glad she she wasn't. Mm, yeah. I've not gone back yeah. and watched. It's the only Star Wars film um, I've not watched again because I just I was just like I can't deal with this. <laughs> I just don't want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, it, it's yeah, just yeah. Yeah, I, I got I got to relive it all again. I re- I remember back in the day taking a tantrum in the middle of the street in Bishop Auckland in County Durham because my mum wouldn't take me to the cinema to see this new Star Wars that had just come. <laughs> so she took me to see the film because I was basically chucking a wobbler in the street, and I've been a fan of ever since. And then um, when Jan and I got together, uh, got too many years back to think of now, she'd never really paid much attention to Star Wars because she took her son to see episode one 
and she'd never seen anything else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Jan, you picked the wrong one to start with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, right. That that was a bit drawn out. So, so I tell you what, let's go through them in order. And I sat down and made her go through all of them. <laughs> and like, like I said, when, when we went to the cinema that Christmas and Kylo killed Han, the first thing Jan said to me when we walked out the cinema was, she wanted to give Chewie a big hug. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know I nearly cried for him as well. Yeah, man. Like, I kind of <laughs> there. The, part of me sort of kind of want. There's some. There's some canon stuff where I kind of like. I'm glad they they killed him off. But there's there yeah. there's sort of um, some other bits which they they've sort of ignored. Um, what's the fucking call? I keep I keep forgetting the bloody name of it. Basically, the Vong Fak. Oh, what are they called? Can't remember the name of them. They're basically uh, a force-sensitive um, uh, Vong. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah the Yuzang Vong. That's them. The Yuzang Vong Wars, which is basically directly after the uh, the Galactic the Civil War, but um, it's like a really devastating war. And in that in that canon, Chewie and Han Solo get killed, and I was like, yeah, would have been a really sort of de- de- devastating one, but that'd been pretty cool because it's sort <laughs> yeah. of very much because I quite like what what I liked about Rogue One so much was, and I've said this numerous times on this podcast, but the reason I mm. like Rogue One very much was one, it, it's just a war film, but two, oh. it's because it's grey and I like the grey angle. I like the fact that it doesn't sort of portray the rebellion as this whiter than white, good, goody coo two shoes thing. I like the yeah. fact that it has their, they've got like Andor, especially the Andor series is exactly the same. It's sort of, it's got uh-huh. this very dark edge to it where it's like, they've had to do stuff that they're probably not being proud of and they've oh, done stuff which are could be classed as you know murder bad things so it's it gives you that sort of different angle and this whole well, you, sorry depending, said on how you look, depending on how you look at it it's borderline terrorism isn't it yeah exactly yeah. and that's it i like that sort of angle you know uh there's yeah. a there's a um Again, another thing I've mentioned in the podcast a few times, there's like a, there's a fan film on YouTube and I can't remember its name, but it's basically, um, it's about a soldier whose family, uh, an Imperial trooper whose family was killed by the rebellion. Um, mm. and then he joins the Im- Imperial army to basically fight these terrorists and stuff. And it's from that angle and stuff. And yeah. it's really good. Cause it's like, you know, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist and stuff. And it's of like, course. you've got that whole sort of angle to, I like that 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 sort of grey yeah I like that ambiguity and the whole Yuzong Vong thing um, is that the Imperials were creating not the Death Star was there to sort of kind of its primary goal wasn't just to subjugate the um, the galaxy it was there to prevent them invading the Yuzong Vong from invading and yeah. with them gone and destroyed they invaded and more people died in the ensuing war than did during this th- that thing so i like that sort of angle where it's just like yeah, yeah. they might they're they are shit they are shit bags but there's a, like a different angle there's another angle it's a very sort of thanos sort of like you know it, there's method to the madness sort of thing there's another edge to the madness and i like that i like that sort of thing absolutely yeah, yeah totally I like, agree I like that. yeah are you watching ahsoka at the moment oh yes yeah. No spoilers. I've not watched. I'm waiting till oh, I'm waiting till really end. Good. I'm waiting till it ends and stuff. Yeah, that, I, I haven't seen this week yet. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm waiting till yeah. it ends and then I'll, I'll I'll binge it. The only, that being said, 
I haven't seen um, Star. I haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels. I started yeah. watching Clone Wars and it just couldn't get into it. It was just yeah, like it was really, fair. it was it was really sort of like plotty and like my yeah. fr- I've got people who've told me like it gets better as goes along and, and the end series sort of kind of tie in with it all a lot more. But like yeah. when I started watching, I was like, I, I can't get into this. It's not really Rebels, Rebels is a lot better. I found Rebels is awesome. Rebels yeah. is absolutely awesome, and if, if you've watched Rebels, then you understand uh, a lot more of the obscure things in it's, Mandalorian, um, especially with Ahsoka turning up in Mandalorian. I'm like, as soon as she turned up in Mandalorian, it was like, yeah, I know where she's going. She's looking for Ezra. Yeah, uh, and also, I mean, I've heard Ahsoka described as like a Rebel season five, which, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it it does. It follows on. That's exactly what it's doing. I mean, she's looking for Ezra. She's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. It's it it everything just ties in. And I like the way they've even got Chopper. Um, yeah, they deserve to keep him because he, he he's awesome. Oh yeah, he's an absolutely brilliant character. And I mean, I was uh, I love the fact that I do kung fu on Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. and my um, we do also do weapons practice, so using the Bokken. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my Sifu once teach, saying to me once, you know, when I'm using the Bokken and I listen very very carefully, I can hear that hum of a lightsaber. Yeah. And it's true because we. I was watching some of the latest episodes and I, was like, I recognize that. <laughs> I do that stunts work. <laughs> yep. And it's great. I'm learning how to use a lightsaber. Yeah. Which proves I've yet to grow up. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Superb. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah, cool. Right. Well, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm glad to hear that, um, you know, it's going really well for you. Um, you always get a lot of small businesses and stuff who, you know, who struggle, especially time. It looks like you're you're knocking it out of the park. Um, I will definitely uh, have a visit next time I'm in Whitby. Fantastic. Uh, and um but thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, have you got anything you need to pimp before we go is there anything you need to sort of shout out i think i've blown enough sunshine up our asses today. <laughs> brilliant okay well uh it's been a pleasure thank you very much uh tony um for me for us. yeah no problem uh for me i've been matt gary with me has been peter ray allison good night everyone good night and, and tony bye bye bye